Ron Murphy. My pleasure to welcome to this podcast, Dr. Mo Embrami Kani. Dr. Embry Kani is an associate professor in the Department of Pathology, University of Pittsburgh. He directs the Laboratory for Synthetic Biology and Regenerative Medicine. His lab combines systems in synthetic biology and achieves a number of goals. His vision is advanced regenerative medicine through integrating systems, synthetic biology. Dr. Rimby Connie, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Dr. Rimby Connie, please give us an overview of your research. My lab focus is development of the human multicellular systems and organoids from human-induced pluripotent stem cells uh, or human, different type of adult stem cells. And for doing that, what we aim to do is to incorporate and co- integrate areas of systems and synthetic biology to develop tools and technologies for programming stem cells toward a specific type of multicellular systems that we hope to develop. So when I say synthetic biology is mainly using a genetic circuits that are synthetic genetic circuit that can be interfaced by two gene regulatory network and genetic markup of the cells. And by doing that, you can start to sense the identity of the cells, activate a specific type of programs that can direct the cell decision-making at different time of the cellular differentiation. By doing that, we hope to develop eventually better organs for transplantation, for drug discovery, and for regenerative medicine purposes. And also in this way, we hope to address some of the limitations that currently exist in the context of tissue and organ engineering by implementing knowledge from fields such as synthetic biology. And as we do this, we also start to learn about biology because we could kind of create the system. And by creating, we start to understand and study the process of the embryogenesis and how our organs and tissues are developed in our body in vivo in a context of human. If your vision comes fully true, someday if you need an organ, you'll be able to go to the hospital, donate some skin cells, and uh, come back a couple of weeks later and have an organ ready for transplant. Is that true? So it is possible for IPS cells to be generated from skin cells and this is very active field from any type of cells you can generate iPS cells. And then by genetic circuits, we could fast track them to the different type of tissues. In our case, we could actually use genetic circuit in the course of about 14 to 17 days. We could actually get a liver tissue with multiple t- cell types that are fully vascularized and contain endothelial cells, pericyte population inside the liver, as well as parasites, which was kind of interesting for us in the context of developmental timing, because the process would take several months during human development. And the question is that whether we could shorten the time for generation of the similar tissues that can be used for transplantation, but we actually shorten the time using these genetic circuits to fast track the differentiation. Obviously, there are so much we don't know that what are the effects of timing of the development and whether how much it is possible to decrease that. But that is one of the areas that we are excited about because obviously development of the mature or 
close to mature tissues for implantations would benefit from being able to do that in a short period of time. I think there are two or three avenues that we are excited to further push in future. One is to combine and integrate different areas together, not only synthetic biology, rather than not only genetic engineering of the cells, rather than we combine and interface what we are have been doing in the lab with some of the other technologies that are being developed, such as 3D printing, such as uh, mechanical control of the tissue morphogenesis or geometric confinement. So basically we try to see how much we can boost up our synthetic biology pipeline by integration of the other type of engineering areas into the picture and how much these different areas that usually practice in isolation can synergize with each other for generation of better tissues. So that is one area for future. The other thing is how much we can combine machine learning algorithm and computational biology to be able to map out the developmental processes in human. And then we kind of understand what is the, the real map and how much we can use that map for genetically program our tissue. So that is the second area. And the third area is we have been collaborating with several colleagues in the University of Pittsburgh to further develop better genetic circuits. For example, genetic circuits that are controlled by light or by other type of inducing elements. So we develop a better spatiotemporal control for turning on and off genetic circuits at different times and improve the automation of the system, meaning that we would be able to program the cells completely from inside out by just adding one small molecules, we would be able to activate the whole program of the morphogenesis. This is going to be useful, obviously, in some cases. For example, if you would like to have a fully automated system that can be turned on and can produce tissue, for example, in a space in different places, if you wanted to think about testing some of the effect of microgravity, for example, or in some other cases, basically generation of the self-timed automated systems would be important for robustness and improvement of the tissue manufacturing practices. So these are some of the areas we are moving towards in the near future. I understand you produce liver organoids, is that correct? The main focus has been on the generation of the liver organoids and liver tissue, but we are also have recently focused on generation of the blood in the lab from stem cells, as well as generation of the other type of models for studying earlier stages of the human development. So we try to implement our strategy into other type of developmental stages in human or other type of tissues to be able to see whether this can be a universal tool for development of the better tissues. So liver organoid gives liver function, that's correct? Exactly, they show adult liver functions. What's the difference between a liver organoid and a liver? Yes, and that's one of the main bottlenecks actually. There are definitely there are differences between organoids in general and the actual human tissues or human organs. In a context of liver, one of the challenges that we have been trying and we have been successful to some level to overcome 
is the fact that organoids are not fully mature. And many other cells, just organoid or cells that are generated from stem cells, they are not fully mature. So what we aim to generate is more mature tissues, but maturity is one of the problems. The other challenge has been vascular formation, which has been one of the other areas that we have been able to address to some level generation of the genetic elements and genetic circuits for programming the tissue. But as still there are gaps, there are still a specific type of functions that are missing in organoids that may exist in adult liver. The level of maturity of those kind of functions also missing. These are the areas that are open to for further discovery and work. Additional element that it is also need more work is a structure, meaning that how much the structures of the tissues that we generate in the lab would be similar to the structure of the real organ and how much similarity actually would be important. Perhaps some level of functions would be encoded and embedded in the structures that we generate and it would go hand in hand, but obviously there might be some understanding how much we need that for uh, generation of the tissues that we go for use for implantation or drug discovery, that would be an important and interesting question. Dr. Emery, please tell us a little bit about the convergence of technologies to achieve your goals. The main emphasis, I would think, is converging, converging different type of technologies. So probably none of the technologies would be able to solve all of the problems in isolation. So we need to aim to combine different technologies. Synthetic biology and genetic programming can program the cells inside out, but then we try to use a smart ways to control mechanical behavior of the tissues, 3D printing, and in tandem with the computational analysis, both at the level of single cells and at the level of how groups of the cells interact with each other to generate tissues. So when we bring all of these avenues together, I think we would be able to develop a model that can predict the tissue behavior and we can use that for generation of a better tissue. So that is the path that I feel would be important to follow in future, the convergence of these areas. I understand you use machine learning. Yeah, we use machine learning for understanding the genetic regulatory networks that exists in human liver, for example, that control liver function and liver differentiation. And then by doing that, we start to understand how a single population of cells mature during the development, how cell-fate decision-makings are done. And this is obviously with collaboration with colleagues in the systems biology departments at Carnegie Mellon University and Johns Hopkins University, as well as University of Pittsburgh, we try to use machine learning to understand gene regulatory network in native human tissues such as liver and the importance of those networks and different units exist in those networks that are important for maturation and self-fate decision during human liver development. When we understand what are the important genes that are controlling a specific processes, then we could integrate that into our synthetic biology pipeline. And then at a specific time during generation of organoid, we can turn on and off those specific genes. And by doing that, 
we can navigate the tissue toward our final tissue identity that we are interested in. So basically, that would enable us to combine systems biology and synthetic biology for better manufacturing and development of the organisms. One area that I would add is that one approach is we obviously generate these tissues and engineer organoids for drug discovery, for applications that are associated with organoids and organ engineering, such as uh, transplantation and drug discovery. But at the same time, what we have been fascinated and started to, and it is actually a core of the synthetic biology that we create to understand. So by making these models, and we start to understand how different group of cells talk to each other. They cooperate and compete within the tissue ecosystem. They actually, we have this society of cells that they compete. They sometimes kill each other. They sometimes perform altruistic behavior. So all of those kinds of interactions that may exist at different scales of life also present among ourselves. So by understanding that we start to understand tissue ecology, the ecosystem within our tissues, and then develop better technologies to control those processes, for example, to kill the cancer cells or for advancing the proliferation of a specific type of cells that are fitter and there are better cells for generation of a parasite. So we start to implement this more and more in our research and try to understand the biology by building that and by recreating the processes in vitro in the dish in, in our lab. This is very promising. But what's the timeline for probable clinical implementation? It really depends what is the level of the genetic alteration that is done in the tissue. Obviously, there are some bottlenecks in the context of cells and tissue source, for example, in the context of the tissues that are generation of the iPS cells from the same individual, sometimes takes a long time. As a result of that, development of off-the-shelf universal iPS cell lines that can be used for different patients has been quite attractive. Some companies and startups, they have started to tackle this problem by development of the hypoimmunogenic iPS cells so it can be used for generation of the tissues. And obviously, if that would be successful and it is in process, that can be used for development of the tissues that can be applied for different individuals. So that is promising in the field. In the context of genetic engineering of the cells, the less the level of genetic cargo and the footprint that would exist in the cells would be the better. It is possible to use mRNAs or RNA technologies to program the cells instead of using DNA. And that has been also an attractive way to overcome some of the challenges to move to clinic. I think in the next five years, we're going to see a lot of interesting avenues. Currently, there are studies that are ongoing in a context of at least using cells that are engineered outside of the body and they inject them. In the context of the solid organs and solid tissues, it is more challenging at the moment. There are works that are ongoing on the immunogenicity of iPS cells. So as a result of that, there are more inclination and encapsulation of the tissues that we are transplanting. Most of the approaches focus on encapsulation before the transplantation. But I would imagine in the next four or five years, we're going to have a lot of 
improvement here with both in a context of revising regulatory guidelines as we start to encounter development of the new technologies that can be critical for human health improvement. And also with further improvement in the technologies that we generate. So the tissues that we generate would be fully safe and we would be able to do all of the safety studies. And as a result of that, then the path to translation would be more and more possible and open. So it's going to be just a matter of perhaps a few years very soon. Thank you for sharing this pioneering work. We wish you. you well and your continued success. I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine for sponsoring the podcast series. Until we meet again, thank you for listening.